Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tramel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol, where the Women's March attracted hundreds over the weekend fighting for reproductive rights. Women are being discriminated against, all women of all colors, races, uh, religions, whatever. Several of Florida's congressional members are in violation of a federal law that bans insider stock trading. You know, two, two Republicans and two Democrats. If there's a bipartisan thing in here in Washington, D.C., it's that both sides are violating the Stock Act almost 50-50 here. And police confirm they found the body of missing 19-year-old Mia Marcano near an Orlando condo complex. You know, the most important thing right now is that unfortunately uh, we, we have found what we believe to be the remains of Mia. Today's Sunrise interview is with Dave Leventhal, the Deputy Washington Bureau Chief for Business Insider, who has uncovered at least five of Florida's congressional members have violated a 2012 law designed to combat insider trading among elected officials. But today I'll publicly trade some top stories trending around the state and capital, plus a little inside scoop with your calendar of political events and more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com. And now the top stories on Sunrise from Monday, October 4th. Apparently, it's Improve Your Office Day, World Day of Bullying Prevention, and World Pets Day. On this day in 1970, rock singer Janis Joplin was found dead in her Hollywood hotel room after a heroin overdose. She was 27 years old. In 1957, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 1 into orbit around the Earth. Sputnik was the first man-made satellite to enter space. And in 1994, South African President Nelson Mandela was welcomed to the White House by U.S. President Bill Clinton. Over the weekend in cities across the country, women marched to demand continued access to abortion in a year when conservative lawmakers and judges have put it in jeopardy. You're listening to a protest performance from the Trust Respect Access Coalition from Texas, performing at a rally in Washington Saturday. Hundreds of women protested in front of Florida's capital, including Barbara Devane with Florida Now, or the National Organization for Women. Here she is speaking to WCTV in Tallahassee. I want them to know 
that there is conflict going on, that women are being discriminated against, all women of all colors, races, uh, religions, whatever, uh, and I want them to get involved. The rallies are with increased urgency to the near ban on abortion in Texas, which took effect on September 1st. The law bans abortions once medical professionals can detect cardiac activity, which is normally around six weeks into pregnancy. Pro-choice advocates argue most women don't even know they are pregnant at six weeks and said women normally don't take a pregnancy test until they miss a period. The battle for abortion rights is already intense at Florida's capital, with proposals adding even more restrictions beyond the Texas law. Enterprise Florida President and CEO Jamal Sowell will leave the DeSantis administration this month for official military duties. Sowell, who Governor Ron DeSantis named to lead Enterprise Florida on his way into the governor's mansion, is an officer in the Navy Reserve. In a letter sent to DeSantis Thursday, Sowell said he had received official military orders to attend specialized training. Truly, the state's largest medical marijuana operator is now the nation's biggest cannabis retailer after closing on a $2.1 billion deal to acquire former competitor Harvest Health and Recreation, Inc. The transaction marks a major development in Florida where Harvest held one of 22 licenses to cultivate, process, and sell medical marijuana to a growing patient population in the nation's rapidly expanding pot industry. Our Sunrise interview today is with Dave Leventhal, the Deputy Washington Bureau Chief for Business Insider, where he writes about the nexus of politics, policy, and power in the nation's capital. Leventhal joins us to talk about the Stock Act, a law Congress approved, which means stop trading on congressional knowledge. That's pretty clever, by the way. The Act bans insider stock trading and prohibits members of Congress from using non-public information for private profit. So the Stock Act, just uh, for your 22nd uh, history here, is a law that was created by Congress. And it was created by Congress to defend against potential conflicts of interest and to provide transparency into how lawmakers are dealing with their own personal finances at a time when they're making oftentimes monumental decisions about the nation's finances. So uh, flash forward 10 years, and, and we have this law in place that, that, mind you, does not ban lawmakers from trading, buying, selling individual stocks, but it requires them to very quickly disclose the fact publicly that they've bought or sold a stock. Uh, one problem, that law is only as good as the compliance that members have with that law. And Insider has found now more than two dozen different examples, other media organizations, he had them on, uh, about 35 examples right now of congressional lawmakers all across the country who to one extent or another have not complied with the Stock Act's transparency provisions. Another instance is Republican Representative Brian Mass. He purchased a $100,000 worth of Virgin Galactic stock about a month after the space tourism company's president testified before a congressional subcommittee of which Mast is a member. So what went on there? You kind of described it chapter and verse, uh, the long and the short of it. And that is an example of where there was uh, definitely an intersection in the public business that Brian Mass is elected to conduct here in Washington, D.C. 
and his private personal business and finances uh, where he was engaging in a stock purchase uh, that uh, was very much on point with the uh, with the person who was testifying uh, before his committee. So uh, it, it, Brian Mass didn't want to comment about it. That's his choice. But he's one of five members of the Florida congressional delegation, delegation Democrats and Republicans, who we have found uh, have gotten crosswise with the Stock Act in, in one way or another just during 2021 alone. Does his issue stand out more so than the others? Where, where does his fall with the with the other congressional delegation? Well, it, it was curious because the, the timing of it was interesting in, in that uh, there was the president of a company that Brian Mass decided to invest in just a month later testifying before his committee. Now, uh, one could make the case that, well, this is not a problem, uh, that there's no insider information that we would have to be concerned about. This was public testimony. It was in front of the entire nation. You could tune in and watch the video of it. So what Brian Mass was hearing from the president of Virgin Galactic was the same information that you and I were also getting at at that time. Um, That all being said, the law still stands. The Stock Act, as it reads, is still valid, and that within the time period that it provides, which is 30 to 45 days, depending on the type of trade it is, you got to disclose that you made that stock purchase. Or if you're selling stock and getting rid of it, you got to disclose that too. And for Brian Mast, uh, he waited a little bit longer than the, uh, the law allowed him. And what's the consequence? Well, the consequence in reality and the consequence in theory are kind of two different things. And what I mean by that is that the law says that if you do violate the transparency provisions of the Stock Act, you pay at minimum a $200 penalty. And depending on the severity of the infraction or the frequency of the infractions, if you have multiple infractions, you can end up paying significantly more money. The reality is that it is not necessarily always going to happen that way. The ethics committees of the Senate and the House generally grant members of Congress a grace period of about an extra 30 days that if they're just a little bit late, they don't have to pay the fine. And even if they are a lot bit late, and even if, say, they have not disclosed in a timely fashion hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars of stock trades, you might end up paying just $200 anyway, even if it's dozens or hundreds of different trades that are uh, of incredible amounts of money, a a, a huge value relative to what the average American is making. It's it's almost an insult to slaps on the wrist to call it a slap on the wrist. If you've got $10 million worth of stock trades that you have disclosed in a tardy fashion and you're only having to pay $200 for a fine for breaking the Stock Act, that isn't much of a deterrent. I think you can fairly say uh, somebody who's trading $10 million worth of stock isn't going to care about a couple of Benjamins. So the other lawmakers, Representative John Rutherford, does his case rise above anything beyond the norm? Relatively pedestrian, I I think uh, among, (laughs) if you can call it that, among the members, uh, John Rutherford, Kathy Castor, Brian Mass, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, those are the four who we have reported uh, in, in, you know, two, two Republicans and two Democrats. If there's a bipartisan thing in here in Washington, D.C., it's that both sides are violating the Stock Act almost 50-50 here. And, uh, and this is not unique to one party or another. 
her. I should also note, too, that uh, Lois Frankel, a Democrat, uh, she uh, she says that she didn't violate the Stock Act. Uh, we looked at the letter of the law, consulted a lot of other experts, and it appears that she was a few days late with uh, a few of her trades. She's a very, very active stock trader in general. Normally, she's very diligent and abides by the Stock Act's transparency rules. But it did seem uh, that she uh, she did, based on, on our reporting, slip up a couple of times uh, back several months ago. Thanks to Dave Leventhal with Business Insider. Here's your calendar of events. Enterprise Florida President and CEO Jamal Sowell is slated to be on a panel discussing economic governance for the decade ahead. During the opening day of the two-day World Strategic Forum, which starts at 9 at the Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables, the University of Florida Board of Trustees will meet and address budget issues at 10. Florida Democratic U.S. House members Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Ted Deutsch are expected to take part in an online news conference to discuss legislation titled the School Shooting Safety and Preparedness Act at 10.30. Republican Anna Polina Luna, who is running in a Pinellas County congressional district, will hold a meet-and-greet event at 5.30 at Joe's New York-style pizzeria and restaurant in Largo. Florida House Speaker Chris Sprouse is expected to take part in an annual dinner at the Consortium for Florida Education Foundation. That's at the West Shore Grand in Tampa at 6. Florida Democratic Party Chairman Manny Diaz is expected to speak during an online meeting of the Democratic Club of Greater Boynton at 6.30. And today is the voter registration deadline for November 2nd special primary elections in Congressional District 20. The seat, which includes parts of Broward and Palm Beach counties, became open when longtime Democratic Congressman Alcee Hastings died. The special general election will be held January 11th. The Orange County Sheriff said in a news conference Saturday they have found a body believed to be 19-year-old Mia Marcano just over a week after she was last seen. And although uh, we are very certain of the identity, uh, the positive identification will have to come from the medical examiner's office. At this time, we cannot identify a cause of death, so I don't want to speculate on that. Uh, you know, the most important thing right now is that unfortunately uh, we we have found what we believe to be the remains of Mia. Mercano had been missing since September 24th when she was last seen at the Arden Villa's luxury apartments in Orlando, where she lived and worked. Cell phone records indicated Armando Manuel Caballero, a person of interest in the case who was found dead of an apparent suicide September 27th, was in or near the apartment for about 20 minutes. Uh, nothing in the records indicate that he ever returned there prior to killing himself. Marcano's apparent death follows similar outcomes from other high-profile missing persons cases in recent weeks. Monday is the last day to register to vote with the Pinellas County Supervisor of Elections Office for the St. Petersburg Municipal Elections set for November 2nd. For more details on that race, visit floridapolitics.com. And finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's Sunrise. I'm Tramel Gomes at the Capitol, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for our fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.